Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you want to sign up for the premium channel? Now's the time. Using promo code BOX for 30 days, you get free premium content. To take advantage of that offer, go to theboxofoddities.com or the Himalaya app. Promo code BOX. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities just went down and picked up the mail we got a nice package let me read you the inserted letter here if this is okay dear cat and jethro greetings from north carolina i'm super excited to see you all live on the 29th i had my uh, i have had my vip tickets for months i've listened to every single episode and i'm only slightly obsessed with you both Uh, a conversation with my friends almost always starts quote I just heard on the box of oddities, <laughs> dot, 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 uh, to prep you for your visit, I wanted to share several several brews from some of my favorite breweries in Charlotte. Hope you enjoy them. Your loyal freak, Danielle. Danielle! Danielle! You sent us delicious, hazy, hoppy goodness. Do you know how many of these um, have been consumed without me Yeah, being even present? Uh, all but two. I mean... I got excited. Was that kind? And thoughtful? Well, we're going to Charlotte. I'll get you some more. <laughs> oh, also, uh, speaking of, of uh, free free beer. Crafty our, Beer Maven. Yeah, at our uh, San Francisco show, world-famous Instagram star Crafty Beer Maven brought us some delicious selections. Thanks, Crafty Beer Maven. So many amazing gifts from San Francisco. Um, we were brought tiny hands mm-hmm. and books and amazing pins and a raccoon's penis bone. Yeah. I'm just so grateful. You freaks are generous. We don't even know what to say anymore. Except that I'm extremely phlegmy still and I apologize. Me too. Someone said <laughs> someone said that my sick voice was cute. And I just have to say that's the most generous thing. And you're wonderful and sweet and wrong, <laughs> but adorable. And I love it. Thank you. Thank you for not making me feel like a garbage person. Well, first of all, you are not a garbage person. And I see what they're saying. There is a, um, a certain uh, coyness in your voice when you are suffering badly from a head cold. A coyness? Yeah. <laughs> 
Do you feel like my normal voice doesn't convey coyness? Oh, here we go. No, that's not Is that what, what you're I'm, saying. That's not what I'm saying. You don't saying. love me anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying I go first. Okay. Are we ready? Ready. Okay. So in September of 2003, there was a guy who lived in Lower Silesia in southwestern Poland, and uh, he went missing. No indication that uh, there was anything amiss in his family. Fam- family members and friends said that um, his life was pretty normal. He didn't have any enemies that they knew of. Uh, he never showed any signs of aggression. In fact, by all accounts, this guy was pretty well liked. He was, you know, quiet, kept to himself kind of guy. Always said hello, though. Occasionally helped the neighbors with their yard work. Serial killer. That was my first thought. No? Family members reported him missing after a a couple of days. They didn't hear from him for a couple of days. And authorities mounted a large-scale search while family members and friends spread out across the countryside uh, to assist in the search. However, they did not find him. Not a trace Not a shred of evidence, not a clue. And eventually the case went cold. Oh, my. Now, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. What year was this? (laughs) 2003. Okay. It's just it was very early in the storytelling and I hadn't adjusted to listening mode. I understand. Plus, you've got a head cold. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. So now I'm sorry. What year was it was 2003. Got it. 13 years later. That would be 2016. Okay. Um, a local man was hiking in a nearby forest. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot That's of, the beginning of a CSI episode right really there. It really is. Yeah. So he's he's just tootling about through the forest. Minding his own. <laughs> and he's a, he's, a, he's a bird watcher. Okay. So he's enthralled with the uh, aviary wildlife. So he's looking up in uh, a giant spruce tree. He hears some birds up there. So he's looking up, and there, 80 feet from the ground, was what appeared to be human remains. Oh, my goodness. 80 feet up. What kind of birds? Probably vultures, uh, I'm thinking. Um, So he contacted local authorities, as one would do when they find a corpse in a tree. Did he try to climb it a little first? I, You know, (laughs) I would. It doesn't say... I definitely would. I would, just to make sure, you know, I wouldn't go all 80 feet up, but maybe 25 just to, you know. See if you can get a better view. Get a better view. Want to make sure that, you know, I'm not, I'm not sending law enforcement uh, authorities on a. A wild vulture chase. Exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. So authorities uh, arrived. They climbed the tree. They retrieved the remains and they took them to the forensic medicine department of the Roklam Medical uh, University. Now, it was determined that these were, in fact, the remains of the man who disappeared 13 years prior. Apparently, there, was, there were things going on in his life that people weren't aware of, and he climbed up 82 feet in the tree and ended his life. Oh, that's an interesting way to go about it. Mm, yeah. I you, guess you don't want a loved one to maybe to find your remains. And I mean, he, he did stay that's true. undiscovered for 13 years. That's true. Did he just want a really nice view while he was... Maybe. He was 82 feet up there. When they first examined the corpse, medical experts were amazed to discover that after 13 years in the tree, his body was almost perfectly mummified. Wow. 13 years in a tree... So there were no vultures then? No, apparently there were no vultures. 
Sorry to disappoint you. So it turns out the, the guy's body was in the tree for 13 years from the moment of death. And despite that incredibly long period of time that it was not discovered, the corpse was preserved in, in really good condition. It was uh, mostly mummified. And according to the team of scientists, several factors contributed to this. You would think just out in the open. I mean, okay. All right. So science me up. Okay. Big I'm going to science you up hard. Are you ready? <laughs> ready. All right. Firstly, the body did not have contact with the ground. Okay. Yep. Right. Good. That makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Of course, if it had been exposed to the ground, then it would have been exposed to uh, predators and scavengers, badgers, badgers and foxes. I don't know. Whenever I say badger, I have to say it badger for some reason. And I'm not sure why. And according to science in Poland, um, which is a, a very interesting website, atmospheric conditions high in the crown of the tree are completely different from those that are directly below on the ground. And that had a big impact on how the body decomposed. Sure. And because the body was in relatively a vertical position, it caused certain decay pro uh, processes to occur directly inside the corpse as opposed to it uh, continuing to break down as, you know, moving out. Oh, the, the spread didn't... Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. In addition, another important factor... Uh, that helped slow down decomp and cause this mummified uh, condition was the man was wearing two pairs of pants for, oh. for some reason. Okay. And that acted as a barrier against weather conditions and prevented fragmentation of the body. So it was just kind of a bizarre combination of things, but I'm sure the guy didn't expect to be relatively well-preserved over 13 years in the top of a spruce tree. Right. Now, did he still have family around at this time? What did they do with his mummified body after they hauled it down from the tree? Well, first they performed an autopsy. Of course. And as strange as this story sounds, and, and it is, it gets a lot stranger. Oh. During the autopsy, the medical examiner couldn't believe what he discovered. At first, he wasn't sure what he was looking at, but upon closer examination, he determined that honeybees had built a giant hive and were nesting in this guy's body. Whereabouts? His head? Yes. Torso? In his head. In his head. In his head. Okay. After carefully removing the bees from the man's head, they continued the autopsy only to discover a second hive in his chest. This time, though, it was angry wasps. Oh, no. That would be an unexpected surprise. Yeah, very candy man. So what do you do? Do you, uh, do you call an exterminator? Beat do you get with a, a badminton racket? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just get a can of Raid. How do you deal with that? Is it disrespectful to spray a corpse down with, uh, with Raid? I would say yes. Raid's mm. gross. I don't like it. Okay. So they carefully removed this hive. And then they proceeded with the, uh, I wrote, they proceeded with the procedure. Yeah. And they continued with the procedure. This is the point where they get down to the abdomen. As they were exploring the abdominal cavity, uh, they were startled because tissues and organs started moving inside of the body. Had other things made homes in there? Suddenly, something burst from inside the corpse and clung to the wall of the examination room. Oh my gosh, it's aliens. No, it was a squirrel, and it had taken up residency in this guy's corpse. Just, you know, storing nuts in the guy's nuts. 
so to speak. Not a face hugger then. Although if that happened to me. Of course, that would be your first thought. It's an alien because it just, you know, it happened so suddenly, it just burst from the guy's abdomen and clung to the wall. Sigourney Weaver, come save us. Oh my God, where is Sigourney Weaver? Through analysis of medical and forensic entomology literature, uh, they confirmed the uniqueness of this discovery. Researchers described it in the July edition of the uh, Forensic Science International Journal, which is a prestigious journal. Quote, the uniqueness of our discovery lies in the fact that no one before us had the opportunity to describe a case of nesting of these species of animals inside a human corpse found in a tree. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a specialized study. For us, biologists, this discovery is interesting because it brings a new perspective and gives us new information on the behavior, ecology, and biology of these animals. Absolutely. It brings a new look at the behavior, ecology, and biology of bees, wasps, and squirrels. We know a lot about where they nest, how they grow, what they prefer, but this discovery shows us that human bodies, if they meet the requirements of these orgasms, Mm. of these organisms, they can be a home. For them. Sure. You're not using it. The scientist said that, uh, in a sense, the human remains found in the tree resembled a natural structure called a hollow. So it just seemed like a, a natural thing for these animals to uh, to build their little hidey holes. That is, there's something um, unsettling about that idea. Yeah. Of something nesting inside of you, even if you're dead. I mean... Good for those little nuggets finding a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, until it was taken from the tree. Right. Um, I wonder what that honey tasted like inside the bees hive, the honeybees hive. Well, did it say there were honeybees? There were honeybees. Okay, they were yep. honeybees. Yep, they were honeybees, uh, angry wasps, and a alien-like squirrel <laughs> all living in there. That would be the freakiest thing for me by far is having the squirrel leap out of a dead guy's abdomen and cling to the wall, all covered in partially decomposed body remains. Mm, yeah, that would be upsetting. Kind I of think. freaky. Yeah. yeah. Though I would think really the idea of honeycomb inside someone's head would be the thing that would upset you the I most. I was trying to avoid that thought. Well, obviously, no. Thank you very much. You can't avoid that thought when you're talking about honeybees inside a skull. So anyway, that's the story of the Polish treetop corpse bees hive squirrel's nest. Buttery, flaky crust. And now, that thing in the middle. Here are the unexpected middle names of some of our United States presidents. Number five, Ulysses S. Grant. What's the S stand for? There is no S. His middle name is actually Ulysses. His first name is Hiram. And his initials spell hug. Aww. Number four. Our sixth president, John Quincy Adams, was the first president with a middle name. And what a glorious middle name Quincy is. Quincy. Number three. Harry S. Truman. The S doesn't stand for anything. His middle name is the letter S. Apparently his parents couldn't decide on a middle name, so they went with S to honor both Harry's paternal and maternal grandfather, whose names started with S. Number two, Warren G. Harding. What's that G stand for? Well, it's Gamaliel. (laughs) Okay, I've never heard that name. Gamaliel is believed to be a biblical reference. Gamaliel. In our 14th president, Franklin K. Pierce, his middle name, Kendrick. Well, it's thought to be. There are no official documents that prove that to be true. Yeah, but Kendrick. Yeah, 
It was uh, his mother, Anna's maiden name. Anna Kendrick. What? Yeah. We love Anna Kendrick. Yeah, we do. Maine, what? Represent the 207. Yep, she's from right down the road. When And when, by right down the road, I mean uh, 200 miles. It's a big state. Yeah, but in Maine, yeah, that's just uh, down the way. Right down the road. Just down the way. Oh, by the way, I remember one time that we said, we referenced how big we thought the state of Maine was. We got all these LOL emojis from uh, people in Texas. <laughs> yes, your state's bigger, but we could both kick Rhode Island's ass. No, we would never do that, even though Rhode Island stole my friends, and I'm still a little bitter about it. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout. 
and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities. Celebrity voice impersonated. Packing our suitcases uh, to hit the road again this weekend. We're going to be in Boston on Sunday, Charlotte on Tuesday, and Nashville on Wednesday. It's the, the final three destinations for our mini Halloween tour. You're cute uh, in saying that we're packing our suitcases. You know that there's no way we're going to be packed until like 1 a.m. the day that we're leaving. Well, it was more of a a figure of speech because in reality, we have not unpacked our suitcases from returning from San Francisco. Yeah, I'm just taking things out as I need them. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Where's my toothbrush? Um, So we did reach out to Zanies in Nashville as the show is the day before Halloween. Um, if you are wanting to wear a costume, we encourage it. They allow it. Um, there are some rules, though. Uh, you have to be wearing shoes. You have to be wearing clothes. And no weapons of any kind or anything that could be misconstrued as a weapon. Or even a prop weapon. Nothing R- right. like no swords, for example. Shaba. And since it is the night before Halloween, it's a good time, a good chance to, to get out a night early and tune your costume up. You know, give it a test run. That's not a terrible idea. No. Um, we uh, have had too much to do and haven't come up with costumes no, yet. yet no. If we come up with some, we will absolutely do it with you. Um, that sounded dirty, but not what I intended. <laughs> um, but if we don't, it doesn't mean that we love you less. No. It's just that I am sick. And I like even remembering to brush my hair lately has been a thing. Well, it's 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 been a little intense. It's been a little intense. The last few weeks. And it's <laughs> about to get a hell of a lot more intense over the next two weeks. Anyway, uh, we are planning on staying in Nashville a day or two after. Yes. And you will see us downtown on uh, Halloween night if you're observant. Yeah. If you have a suggestion for a nice spa where we could get massages in the days following our <laughs> Nashville show. We are going to be in the area for a couple days, and we would like to get a massage, uh, maybe a nice wrap or scrub. Uh, so please send us your suggestions for places where we won't get some sort of weird fungus. Yeah, I try to avoid the weird fungus, even on Halloween. It's just hard going to a place that you've never been to before. Sure, I get like, that. Like, well, who's this person who's going to put their hands all over me? Stranger. 
Neat. Stranger danger. That's actually a fallacy. Um, and I think has done more harm than good over the years. Uh, because most of the people who are abused in life are abused by people that they know and trust. And most of the people that you see in life are strangers. So, you know, the odds are against you there. Mm, truth. Wait. Anyway, what you got for me? <laughs> so, uh, not long ago, we talked about um, Thamestown yes. uh, near Singapore. This uh, amazing little English nook uh, in the middle of Singapore. And um, as I was doing my reading, I thought, wasn't this the place where gum's not allowed? That, that's Disney World. Is it? Disney World. Well, they allow gum, but they don't sell it. Same as Singapore. Really? Yep. Not just Thames Village, but Singapore in general. Yep. No gum. So I got to thinking... I bet there's some weird rules in Singapore. Oh. Now, when I say weird, I say things that I'm interested in and not judging, judging of. Yeah, we're not being judgmenty in <laughs> any so way. Tired. I know you're, you're doing good. You're doing good. Oh, you need the Heimlich maneuver. Okay, we're good. All right. So, Lee Kuan Yew. The founding father and first germaphobe of Singapore, Lee's legacy lives on in the public today. Uh, when he helped Singapore split from Malaysia in 1965, he believed that this small island could become an international power. Lee believed that a nation with clean water streets and public toilets would be financially prosperous. He thought that a clean area was the start to something that could be amazing. But you can't be amazing if you're not having clean streets. And Lee wasn't having that. He wasn't having any no. of the pooping in the streets. So he created harsh penalties for things that he thought made the area unclean. All of those offenses uh, carried huge fines and were enforced by an army of undercover police officers who issued fines on the spot. Undercover? Yeah. Huh. Because it would, to me, seem like it would be far more effective if people could see the police officers ready to write the tickets for fines. Nope. You didn't know who didn't was know. the police oh. officer, so you're going to behave all the time, whether you hmm. saw police officers or not. Two schools of thought. Yeah. Now, Lee despised chewing gum so much that he had it banned in 1992. But that's not all. Sure, gum and drugs, you may say, well, those are two different animals. Yes, sure. <laughs> but penalties for drug possession were uh, are, are pretty um, similar. St strict, let's say. T similar to gum possession? Yep. They need stricter gum control laws. I wonder if they have gum runners. Penalties for drug possession in Singapore range from fines as high as $20,000 to 10 years in prison. And in certain cases, if the amount of drugs on you is high enough, the punishment can be a death penalty. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They have the right to conduct anonymous drug tests without any warrant. Ooh. Any drugs taken before you enter the country can still put you at risk. No kidding. But offenses that you might see as less uh, offensive, also under high scrutiny. Jaywalking, uh, which is defined as crossing the road within 50 meters of a crossing zone, but not within the crossing zone. Um, jaywalkers can receive a $20 fine on the spot, a fine of up to $1,000 to be paid at a later time, or three months of jail time. Ooh, Wow. Three if you're, months. If you're caught jaywalking twice, your fines double. Wow. What if you're caught jaywalking with gum? Oh, geez. That's a bad, bad Oof. day. 
So you shouldn't litter anywhere. But uh, in Singapore, uh, if you're caught littering, uh, you'll pay a thousand dollar fine. Wow! I think in the I think in Maine it's a hundred. Is it? Yeah, I think we should up mm. that. And also po- poked with hot sticks. <laughs> as long as they're organic hot sticks. Now, speaking of sticks, caning is still a thing in Singapore. Wouldn't it be humiliating to be caned for possession of a pack of juicy fruit? That would be so humiliating. Well, I think. Probably being caned for any offense, it would be uh, yeah, but, pretty upsetting. But juicy fruit, come on. No, it's. I think you're just like saying juicy fruit. Is yeah. that what's happening right yeah, now? Yeah, it's just fun to say. Juicy fruit. Mm-hmm. So vandalism. Bazooka. Can get you uh, arrested and caned. Uh, Singapore's vandalism laws uh, shocked the media in 1994. You might remember the I American do. teenager yep, I do. who received a caning as punishment for destroying cars and public property. Uh, two men uh, last year visiting the country also faced prison time and caning for painting graffiti on a public train. Of course, uh, toilet flushing, it's considered common courtesy. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Not flushing the toilet in Singapore there's a law against it. And if you're caught leaving without flushing the toilet, you're looking at a fine of up to $150. I can get on board that. I know. I you support know, this 100%. Totally on board with I that. I don't want to see your feces. No, or anybody else's for that matter. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like um, yours as in the general public. I don't want to see your feces. Got it. Also, is there a fine for not washing one's hands? Uh, I agreed. There should be. There should be mm-hmm. for that. I could get on board that one as well. Um, but now, going back to the unflushed toilet violation. Sure. Do they have uh, undercover officers assigned to the restrooms, uh, checking people's... There are undercover officers everywhere. So you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. They could have people in there making sure that lifting the lid to see if you left a dookie. That's right. Wow. Which is what I do constantly. <laughs> just take a peek in there before yeah. you go in the bathroom. Yeah. I always use my if? foot. I always use my foot to lift the lid a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, are you a foot flusher? I am. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. yeah. Predominantly, that's a female thing. There has been a study for that. Oh, is yep. there? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it wasn't really a study as much as it was um, what they learned at uh, some public building in Minnesota. <clears throat> oh, because of the damage to the... Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the women would continuously flush the toilet handle with their foot and they would break the toilet handle over and over and over yeah. again. Whereas guys probably, you know, didn't flush at all and left without washing their hands. So They just actually flush it with their genitals. Yeah. See, they have um, floor... Floor flush. Floor flushes. Yeah, I invented that. Why doesn't every public area have a floor flush? I you know would, we're doing it anyway. It would make me angry because I did invent that idea. I, I I'm inv- sure you did. I did. I, I thought, why can't we combine toilets with foot trash can technology? Mm-hmm. And But, you know, then I just never got around to making one and somebody sure. else did it. Yeah. I invented that uh-huh. a long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, why don't we have more of those? That's a good question. Thank you. I wanted at one point, I thought, you know, for people that didn't want to do the foot flush toilet, that uh, an accompanying accessory would be a, a flushing wand that, you know, would attach to your belt, but it would telescope out when, when you were done using it and you could just, you know, reach over and flush it with your flushing wand. 
So the thing that you are flushing the toilet with, you're just carrying around with you all day? Yeah, but it telescopes down. You don't have to touch it. Don't you telescope it using the end that touched the toilet? I never got to the prototype stage, sweetie. Okay. There were a few bugs that I needed to work out. Well, there would be a few bugs if you're handling feces (laughs) all day. Um, Now... Yeah, that's gross and annoying. Um, But how annoying is it when um, someone near you in a public space is singing and it's upsetting to you? Sometimes singing's good, sometimes it's not. How do you ask someone who's not singing well to please stop because it's upsetting you? But what if if, if the person in the stall next to you in the bathroom is singing? Right. You don't really want to engage them in any conversation. Right. Well, I mean... Especially in in Singapore. For sure. And um, in Singapore... You don't have to worry about it. Like if someone's singing an obscene song, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about asking them to stop. It's illegal and you could be imprisoned for it. Also, if you're playing instruments that don't sound good. <laughs> like, I don't know how anyone learns how to play any instrument because you can be fined for playing poorly. You have to learn quietly. And by the way, who determines what's good and what isn't? Yeah. I mean, that we're getting into uh, art critic territory here. I guess this is mostly... It's subjective, you know? This is mostly public spaces, though. So I guess you can learn in your in your own private space. But don't take it outside mm-hmm. until you've gotten good. Mm-hmm. Um, the statute states that playing an instrument in a public place in a, quote, manner as to cause or be likely to cause annoyance to any person <laughs> lawfully using a public road or any public space shall be guilty of an offense... And that includes a fine up to $1,000. So I don't remember what the dollar amounts were. What's cheaper, playing a banjo badly in a town square or not flushing the toilet? It's cheaper to not flush the toilet. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because you'd think one would be like a public health concern. Sure. And the other... Just an annoyance. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Now, back to the bathroom stuff. And this is going to be my last uh, point uh, to make, and also my favorite. So not every place is a restroom. And sometimes people need to be reminded of that. Uh huh. So in Singapore, all elevators are outfitted with urine detection devices <laughs> that will automatically lock the doors and alert police oh. if the sensors detect the pungent odor of urine. All right. And to this, I say. Practical question, though. What if somebody has like some sort of a colostomy bag Mm -hmm. or some sort of medical condition? Sure. And they have a leaky bladder even. Uh Uh-huh. How sensitive are these detectors? I I can't say. Mm. I can't say. Interesting. But I mean, if you are just leaking everywhere, mm-hmm. authorities public, are yeah. going to be alerted. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that sounds very dystopian, doesn't it? It sounds like you step into an elevator and let's just say you got back from uh, a music festival. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you've had to use porta potties for two days. Sure. And maybe you're not as fresh as you should be, but you need to get up to your apartment to take a shower. And so you get in the uh, elevator and the alarms go off and the sirens and all the lights and everything and the doors slam shut and lock you in there. Mm -hmm. You could have taken the stairs. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I love this. 
we need to revisit this type of a, of a subject in the future because I'm sure there are all kinds of bizarre uh, city ordinances around the world. That was fascinating. Oh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I enjoy your face. My face enjoys you. That sounded weird. Any hoozle. Thanks for hanging out with us again, as always. We look forward to doing that again next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts if you like this podcast can we recommend another one It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.